you guys have seen that movie, Inside Out. It's one of my favorite movies. Um, and tonight we're going to be talking about things that start from the inside out, which is an interesting concept because I thought, you guys probably thought you were coming here for a talk about sex, right? Welcome. We're going to talk about sex, so we're going to talk about it. Thank you. I love that enthusiasm. I don't know who it was, but I appreciate it. Um, we're going to talk about it a little bit differently, probably, than maybe you're expecting. Um, so like I said, my name is Crystal. I have the privilege of leading this fantastic group of women. And I, um, I'm known for lots of things. One of them is that I love tacos. I do. I love them with an intensity that's probably unhealthy, but oh well. And I love avocados with the same intensity, to the point where people give me avocado-shaped things, like blankets and pillows and you know, things with avocados on them. And I receive them with joy. You can never give me too much avocado-like swag, you know, because I'm there for it. I grew up overseas in South America. And because I did, like, South America is still, like, my safe spot and my comfort zone. And a couple of years ago, I was in Costa Rica with my husband, and we were on vacation. And we were playing, staying in this place called Treetops Hotel, which you can imagine from the name is, like, up on stilts. And it's, like, literally up in the, the rainforest canopy of Costa Rica, which is so incredible because you get to see, like, the monkeys and the birds and all the things. The people at the hotel would come, and they would, like, leave fruit in a little plate out on your deck and then all the animals would come. It was literally like living in a zoo. And I love that, because the other thing is like, I'm such a nerd and I love wildlife and nature and all that stuff. Um, so my favorite bird is the toucan. I don't know if any of you guys know what that bird is, but it's got a long, colorful beak, and it's really poached and hunted because of the color of its beak, so it's kind of rare. You see a lot of toucans at zoos and like in captivity, but you don't see a lot of them in the wild just kind of flying around. Well, the last morning we were in Costa Rica, I'm sitting on my deck, watching the monkey eat a banana, like sipping my tea, and all of a sudden, this flock of toucans lands and starts to eat. And I was like, oh, what? And of course, guess where I had left my camera? In the room, with the door closed, and my husband's sleeping, and I was like, no. And they left, and I was like, man, that just sucks. Like, literally, my favorite bird in the wild, my, as a photographer at the time, didn't have my camera available to take a picture of it, so great. Um, so I was praying, and I was like, Jesus, you know, you just wait if it came back again. And <laughs> I'm going to tell you guys, like, how much Jesus loves me, because they came back again, but I still had not gone back in the room to get my camera. <laughs> and I was like, man, okay, Crystal, your faith is weak. So they left, because I opened the door and tried to sneak in, but I did get my phone. They came back out, and I was waiting there, and I was like, Jesus, please. And he did, he brought them back a third time. And I got to, I actually took a video and I was looking forward to show it to you guys. It was like five years ago and who, who has time to dig your Instagram for five years ago, right? So, um, but it happened and it was there. And I'm telling you guys that story because I want you guys to start tonight with this really deep and strong idea that God cares about the things that are in your heart. Like he cared enough about my obsession with colorful South American birds to bring them around to me three times so I could take a picture. And you may say, that's a coincidence, but I am telling you, it is not, because those birds are very rare, and it's very hard to see them. Um, and so God cares about what's inside of us. He cares about what's on the inside more, even than he cares about what's on the outside. He cares about our desires, our needs, our wounds, um, the things that we love, the things that bring us pleasure, and he is for us. So tonight, as we talk about intimacy, which is what we're going to talk about, spoiler alert, um, I want you to know that you are seen by God and that you matter to him. 
all of you, no matter what age or stage of life that you're in. So you guys have notes on your table, and I'm going to invite you to pull them. They're front and back, and the third page, because we go hard here. Get ready to take notes. <laughs> and the first fill in the blank that I want you guys to fill in is that as much as God knows what's on the inside of us, intimacy is literally about opening up who we are on the inside and letting other people in. And intimacy is being is knowing and being known. The dictionary defined intimacy as a state marked by emotional closeness or a quality suggesting closeness or warmth or something that is very personal or private. Um, and when we say the word intimacy, I'm sure that like conjures up all kinds of ideas and thoughts in your mind, like uh, everything from you know physical intimacy to like spiritual or deep stories or deep things that you've shared with other people. But everything that's been deep in your heart has been something that you have opened up and shared with someone else in order to be intimate with them. So intimacy is knowing and being known. And that's not like a one-off, you guys. That is the way that we are made. And so there's some scripture on your um, notes, and I want to go through it with you. The first scripture is Genesis 1, and it talks about how we're created. It says, God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. So you have to understand that we are made in the likeness of something else. Well, we are made to be like something else. We are made to be like God. The way that he's structured is the way that we're structured in the way that we interact. Um, and then John 1, 18 says, No one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son, who is himself God, and is in closest relationship with the Father. So the second thing that we see is God has made it, first, God has made us like himself, and the second, God is in relationship. He is in very close relationship all the time with himself. God is three people, which is hard to like wrap your mind around, but God exists in community at all times. And so if we're made to be like God, we're made to know and be known by other people. We're made for community. And then we're going to finish up with another um, scripture out of Genesis. And it says, The Lord God said, It is not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. And the Lord had formed out of the ground all the wild animals and all the birds in the sky, and he brought them to the man to see what he would name them. And whatever the man called each living creature, that was his name. So the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds in the sky, and all the wild animals. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. So the Lord caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of his ribs and closed up the place of flesh. Then the Lord made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. The man said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she is taken out of man. And that is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. So the third thing that we see, number one, we're creating the image of God. Number two, God is about relationship, because he exists in, rela in relationship. Number three, he said it's not good for us to be alone. Out of that, he created the marriage relationship. So we are created at the core of our being to want to know and be known by others. So intimacy is God's plan. It's not just something that we talk about or has like kind of sprung up in the last hundred years. It's not something that just happened along the way. 
and something that we are actually made to experience and made to um, want and made to search after. And that's the only time in the creation account that God says something's not good. Like if you read the first chapter of Genesis, he goes through and talks about all the things that he's done until he gets to the part where Adam is by himself. And then he says, that is not good. I would like to point out that he does make Adam go through a very long and rigorous process because Adam didn't get it at first. So the same men, they, like, they need a little learning time sometimes. So he goes through and he names all the birds and all the animals. And then he gets to the end and there's nobody like him. And that was intentional. And it's intentional for us now too. To remember, it's not just Adam. We all need each other. So the pattern is set. Psychology has different levels of intimacy in what they are, um, but they all agree. Like you can put it in whatever structure you want, but science agrees that there's different levels of intimacy and it can fluctuate in relationships. If you guys were here for our community series last semester, you remember we talked about there's three levels of friendship. The first one is acquaintance. I'm probably spelling that super wrong, just forgive me. Um, the second one would be like, a good friend. This is somebody who you know, you hang out with, they know some of your stories. The acquaintance is somebody like you just know at work or like somebody I say hi to at the street station once a week. Like, what's up? It's not somebody you share life with. A good friend, you share life with them. They know some of your junk. And the third one is a close friend or family or spouse. not lose that. And this person is someone who knows where you hit the body. You know what I mean? Like, if you need something, that's that person you go to. And it could be more than one, and I hope that you guys all have more than one person who's in this category. Family member, friendship, and spouse. Or a combination of those. Um, so yeah, these different levels, they are not just levels of friendship. There are also levels of intimacy. And the first one has to do with shallow communication. So this is that acquaintance relationship. This is not somebody you tell what's really going on in your life. This is someone you're like, hey, how's the weather? What was your weekend like? You keep it kind of shallow and surfacey. This level of intimacy there's not much except that you know each other. The second level is personal opinion and experience. This is your good friend. This is somebody that you're like, this is what I think about X, Y, and Z. This is someone who, um, if they come to you and say, hey, what do you think about this? You're probably gonna give them an honest answer. This is someone that you've done a trip with, that you've experienced some life with. And this is an intimacy that's more open. You're starting to open up what's on the inside of you and share it with them. And number three is your needs and desires. This person, you tell them what you need and you tell them what you want. And not only that, you're willing to tell them often because they know what's on the inside. And it's okay to have different people that fit into these different categories. Guys, not everybody needs to be a number three. And if all you have in your life is threes, 
you might need to do some readjusting. Because <laughs> either you're sharing too much with too many people, or you don't know as many people as maybe you could. Each of these categories is important in our lives. We need all three of them. We need all three different kinds of friendships. And here's the thing. The world is going to tell you something um, that's not true. What's missing from these three things? Anybody have a guess? Six. Yes. I love you. There's no physical anything in these three levels. The world will tell you that intimacy is physical. It is not. It is, intimacy is primarily spiritual and emotional. If you have sex with somebody, that does not mean that you will have an intimate, loving relationship with them. And everything around us in our lives is going to lie to us and say, that's how you get love. That is not how you get love. That is how you stop love attacks. And I am going to be real bold with that tonight, guys, because, wow, the enemy is so powerful right now in the world. He's just saying all kinds of things to all of us about who we are, what we need to do, and how we need to pursue love and belonging. Because if God made us for intimacy, we all want it. So intimacy, you guys, is inside out. And if there's anything you remember from tonight, I want it to be that. That intimacy is inside out. That it doesn't start from here. It starts from in here. Because we experience the world, right, through our five senses, but we internalize and decide what we think about the world from what's inside our hearts already. There is a quote I put on your notes that I want to read to you. And it starts out by saying, Emotional intimacy can get stalled at the level where we start having sex. And let me explain why. Emotional intimacy requires being able to risk conflict in order to move to the next level. Handling conflict in a healthy and safe way without being rejected is what allows us to build the trust we need to communicate at higher, more vulnerable levels. But now that we're having sex, we feel close and we don't want to risk losing them. Or we may think that this is the one we don't want to threaten the relationship. And so the way we can occasionally move to higher levels, we'll fall back into that safe zone to communicate. And if there's something missing, it basically says we'll use sex to kind of patch over that and make us feel that everything is okay when it's not. So intimacy is inside out. God created sex. It's good. It's not bad. It's real good. But it's meant to be the final step in a process of vulnerability and intimacy. We're meant to start at level one and then under level four is a sexuality. It's meant to be the last step in the process, not the first. And this is meant to be one person. Each group should be getting smaller until you get to number four. So you have the most people in group one, fewer in group two, even smaller in group three, and then your sexuality should be between you and your spouse in a healthy way. And I think that we think that God is like trying to be a buzzkill, right? God is like out to ruin my life and just make it hard for me to know people and to have a love, 
have a love life. Um, but that's a lie because God is interested in maximizing your relationships. Because we're meant for relationship and belonging, and because as women, we're really meant for relationship and belonging, if you do it wrong, we end up getting wounded. And we carry those wounds with us from the inside out. But if we do it right, our relationships are maximized. They feed that internally we have to know each other and be known. And it's safe. You can have intimacy without sexuality, but you cannot have sex to get intimacy from it. So your next fill in the blank is intimacy requires the ability to handle conflict. And why? Why is that important? Anybody have any ideas? It's because if you are not able to have an argument or a disagreement with somebody and move past that, then you're not really safe with that person. And that's not real intimacy. Because we're all human beings who are sinners and screw it up. If you're not able to have that conversation where you're like, you were wrong, but you were wrong, and then work it out, then you're not safe with that person. There's no trust there. And the bottom line is you're always going to have disagreements with the people that you're intimate with, whether it's your family or your friends or the person you're dating or the person who's your spouse. Anybody who's married in this room can tell you you will have disagreements with your spouse. But in the safety of commitment and in the safety of working that out in the interest of intimacy, you learn that you are still safe in the relationship even though you guys have had arguments and disagreements. So it is the spiritual before the physical. That's God's plan. So tonight we're going to be doing like a two-part talk. So the first part, we just got to you guys. I hope everybody's still breathing. I hope it hasn't been too shocking. Um, we are going to give you guys a few minutes to answer question one, which is what have been your preconceived ideas about intimacy? What are the things you believed about intimacy or you still believe about it? Do you agree or do you disagree with what we're learning tonight? It's okay if you disagree. Um, like I said, I want this to be a safe place. And so if you're like, that girl has no idea what she's talking about, I, you're not going to hurt my feelings. It's okay. <laughs> you can say that to your table leader and they'll write your name down. I'm just kidding. <laughs> they won't tell me later. It's all good. So I, guys, I want you guys to feel like you can be open. Um, and I know there's a lot of new people here tonight, so feel free as well to go around and talk about your name and who you're from. And I'm going to give us about 20 minutes to do that before we finish. Go ahead. Okay. I'm sorry to interrupt you guys. I love all the conversation happening. So I want to do a little pop quiz. What? How do we define intimacy? Where does it start? Inside out. Oh my gosh. Not that. Thank you. Thank you guys. You have learned. I feel like we can just go home now. My work here is done. <laughs> um, so something I wanted to say before we jump into part two of this is that um, I don't want anybody to come to the table and feel shame tonight. Like, I don't care what your life has been. God does not care what your life has been up to this point. If you had the perfect upbringing um, and your intimate relationships physically starting when you got married or you haven't had one yet, that's awesome. If your intimate relationships started when you were young because of things that happened, that's okay too. Like, I don't want anyone to come to the table and think, I can't be here or I don't belong here because of X, Y, and Z happened to me. Guys, everybody in this room is loved and wanted and there is no shame in this room. 
Um, so I want to say that to you guys real quick and, and say that that's really important. God's plan is there to maximize our relationships and to protect us. And we can jump into that at any point in the stage of life that we're in. So I was telling my table, I'm 40 years old and there's some things I'm still learning about sharing what my needs and desires are to the people that are in my inner circle. Like I'm still not good at that. So um, nobody has it together. So we're all here at the table to learn, right? Okay, so we've learned what intimacy is. And now I want to talk about some dangers or some unhealth intimacy. Um, because you can connect deeply to somebody who's not good for you. And you can love someone who's toxic. Um, and so I want to talk about unhealthy intimacy. Um, I worked, I went to a college in Florida, it was a Christian college, and basically my parents dropped me off there when I turned 17 my freshman year and were like, we'll see you in four years. They were still overseas. So I lived there year round. I worked there in the summer. I went to school there in the spring and fall. And during the summer, it was a very small group of people. And so you all got to know each other really well. In the summer between my freshman and my sophomore year, I met this friend and she and I became very close. We were roommates, we did everything together. Um, and it just, you know, it just was a really good, really close level three friendship that I needed that summer. And um, then, when the school year started back up, through a series of circumstances I will not share at this point, um, I met Ryan, and um, immediately, as soon as I started dating him, problems started in that friendship. She was possessive, she was jealous, she was angry, and we had several conversations where I was like, don't make me choose between my friendship and my boyfriend. That's not okay. But... I think all of us, and maybe most of us in the room, have had friendships where maybe it's a friend who's not okay with you having another friendship, or a friend who's um, jealous when you start to date somebody, but there's like this possessiveness that's unhealthy. Um, and I had a number of friends in college, so I could see, I could compare, like my level three friends, my other level three friends were all happy and excited, and I'm not the kind of girl either who like ditches everybody when I start dating somebody. It was a very like, I made sure there was time for everyone and so forth. So um, for me, I was like, okay, this is not my unhealth, this is your unhealth. Um, and I ended up having to end that friendship because, yeah, because it was unhealthy and she wasn't willing to move towards me. She wanted me to choose um, between the man who's gonna be my husband and her. So intimacy can get unhealthy. And just because you have intimacy, doesn't mean that the person you're letting in is good for you. Being known at a deep level is a good thing, but it needs to be a carefully guarded thing when you're getting to level three. It needs to be something that you are actively filtering the people that you let in that deep. I remember there was, not much like spiritually from college has stuck with me, but there was one line that I do remember. It was by the campus pastor, and he said, the person that you share your heart with is the person that you will fall in love with. And that is true, both in friendship and in romantic relationships. Um, and that's okay. Love is a good thing. And I want to make sure, too, because we have people in all different life stages and relationship stages here, that what we're talking about tonight and what we'll be talking about throughout this um, series is not just for the married people or the engaged people or the dating people. This is for everybody because we're all intimate people and we're all sexual people. So this is for every life stage. So this is for friendship, too. What kind of caliber of person are you giving your heart away to? It's just a question. 
Who's your inner circle? Who are you drawn to? The thing that people say, it's on Instagram all the time and it's in movies all the time and I hate it, is follow your heart. Um, That is such a lie. Do not follow your heart. Do not guide your heart. Lead yourself. Don't be led by your emotions. Let your, you are the one who needs to lead your emotions to the place they need to go. Because your emotions will lie to you. And if you're led by your emotions, you're going to end up in a place that you don't want to be at because emotions change and fluctuate. Um, so I want to read Song of Songs. It's on your, your notes. And it says, daughters, by the way, Song of Songs is a whole chapter, or is a whole book in the Bible about sex, just FYI. Um, So if God put a whole book all by itself in the scriptures, I think that it's an important topic, right? And we need to talk about it. It says, Song of Songs 8.4, daughters of Jerusalem, I charge you, do not arouse or awaken love until it so desires. So why does scripture tell us not to awaken love until the right time? What do you guys think? It's not a rhetorical question. Not the right person. Not the right person. It's a gift. Yep. Protection. Yep. It's about filtering. Because we can love toxic people and because um, we can enter into relationships before we're ready for them or before the time is right, there can be wounding that happens through those relationships. And I just want to remind you guys that God is always looking out for our best interests. He's always interested in maximizing our relationships to their fullest potential, to their best potential. Um, We're going to continue a little bit further down in chapter 8. It says, Place me like a seal over your heart, like a seal on your arm. For love is as strong as death, its jealousy and yielding as the grave. It burns like a fire, like a mighty flame. Many waters cannot quench love. Rivers cannot sweep it away. If one were to give all the wealth of one's house for love, it would be utterly scorned. So intimacy and love at deep levels are really powerful. It says love is as strong as death, jealousy is unyielding as the grave. It's like a fire. And when, it, when I read that, it reminded me of nuclear power, right? Because nuclear power can provide warmth and light. For us, we have a nuclear power plant here in Lynchburg. They can provide all the good things, and they can also make atomic bombs from nuclear power. Both things come from the same source. So intimacy and love can also provide warmth and light, or they can be a bomb that blows up our lives and our relationships if they're not done well. And so that's why we have to be aware of who we're letting into our lives in deep ways. Now, that doesn't mean that mistakes won't happen in relationships, right? Or that hurt won't happen. But there's a difference between a hurt that you can work through and a hurt that blows everything up and deeply wounds. And there are some things that you can look for and see in relationships that are red flags, whether those are friendships or romantic relationships. So I wanted to give you guys some examples. Um, Possessiveness is a red flag. Controlling behavior. Fits of rage. A pattern of cheating or leaving relationships quickly. Believing and acting as if love is a feeling that comes and goes. You know what happens if you get into a relationship with someone who thinks love is a feeling? 
and you marry that person, you know how long, how, you know how many times I've been in and out of love with my husband in 18 years, you guys? Plenty. It comes and goes. Love is not a feeling, it's an action. Believing and acting as if once love fades, it's over. Believing and acting as if love is something you have to earn. That is true in friendships and relationships. If the person that you are in deep relationship with makes you earn their love or work for their love, no, it's not okay. Communicating that people have no value or little value, that they're to be used. Guys, don't give the power of your life to someone who will misuse it and detonate it. So, I, you know, if I was processing and I was sitting there with you guys right now listening to this, I would be like, okay, but again, like, nobody's perfect and everybody misuses intimacy at some point. And that is true. Nobody's perfect, but there's a difference between someone who will, in the course of a normal relationship or friendship, make a mistake and then try to make that right, and a person who will abuse and misuse that. So because healthy intimacy means vulnerability, and vulnerability means hurt, um, we have to fight for each other in our deep relationships in healthy ways. So how do we do that? So I have honestly only done this well in the context of a relationship that's connected to Jesus. So I wanted to give you guys like a visual, because I'm a visual person, so your triangle is the intimacy triangle. Here's the thing. If you're not starting out with an intimacy that's based on God, then you're missing the most important piece. What I mean by that is a relationship with him, a personal one. And by what, what I mean by a relationship is a surrendered life. So I'm not talking about religion, where you come to church and it's a lifestyle, but it doesn't affect what you do in the week. Like on Sunday you're in church, but during the week you're the boss of you. What I'm talking about, a life where Jesus is the boss. Because true intimacy only comes for us as God when we give all of ourselves to him. And he gets to make the decision. He created us. It was his idea. So for us to have what we need, we need to know him first. Um, John 17, 20 <coughs> is Jesus praying. Um, and it was, praying, it was Jesus praying for us. He says, my prayer is not for them alone. I pray for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Isn't that crazy? Like Jesus' prayer for us was that we would be in intimate relationship with each other and with him. And that is his goal, that is his heart. The heart of God for us is that we would know him at the deepest levels. Because we often think of God as an idea, or like something out there, and he's not an idea. He's a person. He has feelings. He has needs. God feels pain and longing. He made you, and he is for you. <clears throat> and intimacy with God starts with understanding that he is a person and not an idea or a philosophy. 1 John 4.16 says, We know and we rely on the love that God has for us. What does it mean to rely on God's love? That is crazy. Like, if we can rely on the love that God has for us, that means that no matter what's happening around us or what's happening in our relationships, we're secure. At least, 
I basically care. It's the thing that has carried me through many, many, many difficult situations and moments in my life. God knows the mess of us, but he won't leave us in the mess because he's not afraid of it. There's freedom and intimacy with God, and it's the freedom to relax and to flourish. If tonight you're in a place where you've strived your whole life, you've worked really hard to please God and please others, and it's never worked, or you feel like you have to fix yourself before you can come to him, I just want to encourage you guys that you do not have to fix anything. That he is for you, and you can come as you are. 1 Corinthians 13 defines love. And it says, <clears throat> love is patient, love is kind, does not envy, does not boast, it is not proud, does not dishonor others, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs, it doesn't delight in evil but rejoices with the truth. And this is my favorite part, it says love always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. And God and love are synonymous in scripture so if you replace love with the word God, then just know, if you're thinking about him and you're afraid, that God is patient and he is kind. And that he keeps no record of wrongs. That he's not selfish. He's not easily angered with you. And he will always be there to protect, to hope, and to persevere with you. That is who he is. So... Once you have a relationship with God and you're learning who he is, that is the foundation of your intimacy triangle. The safest place to be is here. Then, if you know that you're securely loved by God, you can securely love yourself, guys. Anybody else in this room ever struggle to love themselves? Hey, I love the honesty. Me too, guys. Like, I look in the mirror sometimes, and I'm like, oh, my word. I want you guys to know that because I know that I am secure in Christ, like, I don't have to be perfect. And I don't have to stand up here and pretend to you guys like I am. I'm not. There's um, a quote in there by Brendan Manning that I'm not going to read tonight, but I encourage you guys to read it. It talks about how we if we're known truly by God, can then truly love ourselves. Because we're perfectly made perfect, then we don't have to apologize for who we are anymore. You can't have true intimacy unless you're comfortable with who you are. And then, if you love, your, if you love God, you love yourself, then you can love others. The love of God compels us to more intimacy because as we become more like him, who is always in relationship, then we have solid boundaries and we can live differently and we don't choose the things that hurt us or hurt other people. We can protect out of love who we are from sin and who other people are. Um, and it's easier to live in relationship with others when we have that foundation because living in intimate community requires forgiveness. Has anybody ever heard that? I mean, I have to experience this basically on a weekly basis. 
I had, I still actually, here, I'll be really real with you guys. The other night, um, I got home from work, and my sweet husband just sitting on the couch making conversation, and I walked out of the room, and something he said made me mad, and I, like, I yelled at him. And I was, like, still mad for, like, ten more minutes. And he didn't do anything wrong. I was just in a bad mood. So, guys, I still actually have to make that right to him. I have to apologize for that. Um... But because we both have that foundation of Christ, I know that I can go, and he's like not holding that against me, and I can go to him tonight and apologize for what I said, and we're going to be fine. And that's that safety that I'm talking about. So how many times do we have to forgive the people in community that sin against us? Let's look at what Matthew 18 says. It says, Peter came to Jesus. And he said, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or my sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? And Jesus said, I tell you not seven times, but 77 times. So his point is like, it's not about the amount of times. Like, you just have to keep doing it, basically. Forgiveness, guys, doesn't mean that you don't still have healthy boundaries with people who aren't safe. But it doesn't mean that you don't keep holding things on the inside that are bitter and angry against the person who screwed up. Colossians 3.13 says, Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. The thing about living in an intimate community is when we get hurt, pride can lead us to live on islands. I call them the islands of brightness. By the way, I like these islands. They feel good to me. In my island of rightness, and I think I'm right, I just want to live on it alone and just be like, whatever, you're wrong, so you go live on your island where you're right, and we will both be happy separately. But what's happening here is there is how many people on that island? One. That's not community. That's not actually what I want. It's just what I end up with when I choose my pride over my obedience. So intimate community and forgiveness requires us guys to be bridge builders and move to our friends on their other islands so that we can have the thing that we want, which is to know and be known even in our mess. Love keeps no record of wrongs. So the thing that Satan will always try to lie to us about, you guys, is that it's okay. It's all right. Like, if I stay on my island, it's okay. If I open my heart up to somebody that I know is not good for me, it actually will turn out differently than it always has. It won't, by the way. The thing is, is that sin always leads to death. So if you are in an intimate relationship with someone who has fits of rage, and they are angry people, and they hurt people with their anger, that always leads to relational death. And I'm not talking about like physical death. I'm talking about um, emotional and relational death and wounding that can happen to all of us. Sexual activity outside of marriage does not lead to intimacy. It does not. Because intimacy is what? Inside out. Sex by itself can't give us what we want, which is relationship. It was meant to be the final step in the process of knowing 
that begins in the heart and the mind and the soul. And by the way, if you're single here tonight, that's great. Like, I'm not going to be somebody from a church who says marriage is the goal. It is not, for the record. If you're single and you love Jesus and you're living your best life, please continue to live your best life. I don't want anybody to think that marriage is the goal. It's not. Marriage is a part of life. It is a way to live life. But if you're single and your heart is for Jesus, he can use you just as much or maybe more. So I just want to encourage you guys with that. Um, So intimacy is inside out. And I'm going to invite Hope back up. There is an intimacy questionnaire. It's the last page of your notes. She's going to play a little bit of um, the song we sang over us. And I want you guys to go through and just kind of honestly rate yourself. Like, how are you in transmission of intimacy? Transmission is what you give up. Like, how are you at sharing what's on the inside of you? And then reception is receiving. How are you at receiving what someone wants to share? Are you a good listener? Are you someone who can receive back? Um, And then after you guys are done um, filling this out, I'm going to give us about... 15 minutes to kind of share what you want to share from that, and then we'll pray together in close. Go ahead. Mm-hmm. 